Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Uh, welcome as well to those online. We're glad you're with us as well. So we continue our series on prayer. We're going to be in Colossians today, and it's going to seem a little familiar to you because it's similar to an Ephesians passage that we did, Colossians 1. Gracious Father, send your spirit upon us now. Uh, Open our eyes that we may see you through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So what what would be on the top one, two, what's the matter? Oh, there is. Why don't we stop and pray for them, right? Gracious God, as we come together, we now know the accident that's on Long Hill. We pray that you'd be with the emergency workers and guide their efforts. We pray for the persons involved, that your healing and safety hand be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm wondering if you're willing to share what's the on your top three list of things that you often pray for. What's one of those top three? Yeah, family, yeah. health. I'll repeat these, Larry, thanks. Forgiveness, Mm, we should. (laughs) Okay, guidance, the nation, peace, yeah. Thank you, king of glory, yeah, your church, right, your your pastor, thank you. (laughs) Please pray for me. Forgiveness, yeah. What I'm learning in our series on prayer is that a lot of those petitions that you've shared are good petitions, right? Uh, For our family, for our health, for our nation. Those are good. And you can find similar prayers like that, certainly in Scripture. Um, However, what I'm learning is that, particularly in the New Testament, you see a lot more prayer focused on um, preschoolers. A lot more prayer focused on spiritual health spiritual guidance, spiritual formation for the family, right? Spiritual formation for the nation. uh, I think what I'm taking from this, again, is that our spiritual lives have to be the first consideration uh, as we then engage in the other aspects of our living, right? And our prayer life. Um, So when we are walking right with God, I think we're in a better place to offer petitions to him on our family's behalf, on our nation's behalf, um, for forgiveness, right, uh, for ourselves as well. And I think we're going to see that played out again today. Again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't pray for temporal things. There's certainly biblical precedent for that. Um, but, you know, again, Christ himself says what? Seek first the kingdom. And that's not easy. And I got to thinking about how, Easy, we've made Satan's job with all the things that are around us, right? All the worries that are around us. And all he has to do is slip something our way, right? Oh, bad news from the doctor, right? Or, oh, look what happened in the country today, right? Or, hmm, look what happened with your grandchild, you know, those kinds of things. Or, accident on Long Hill Road, oop. And it can sometimes, that quickly, take us off that destination that matters. And this is Paul's concern with the Colossians. 
and, and therefore our concern um, as well. So Colossians 1, we're going to focus on 9 to 14. Now, if you've been in Bible study with me before, we've, this, is a re, this is somewhat of a repeat. We're going to focus a little more intention on a very specific, we're going to zone in here. Um, but it's important that we look at this as it pertains to our prayer life. What I'd like to do is actually read 1 through 14, although we're only going to focus on 9 to 14. But I think it gives us a context that's important. All right? So this is Colossians 1, 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossa, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have had, that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it is always as it does also does among you. Sorry. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, you, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Okay? So that's your background, right? And then we get to verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit of every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Sounds very familiar to Ephesians. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Uh, Sometimes we sing a hymn that we've already sang because the hymn is appropriate, right? Uh, Same with scripture. Sometimes it's good to go back after you've learned some other things and say, okay, what does this now mean more fully for us? So what did you hear? Don't forget Larry's here, and we need the microphone for online. So what did you hear? You can use any of the verses that I read uh, in that passage today. I didn't read it very well, I know. (laughs) Greg. The thing that hit me about it, and you had pointed out already that we've heard similar things in Ephesians. So it indicates that this is, to me, it indicates that this is more of a common struggle and a common thing that he is talking to all the churches that have been developed. And that we all need to look for this work, this walk in our spiritual life rather than some of the other things we might think of. Yeah, I mean, think about the first century church, right? Paul Paul is writing churches that are newly formed, newer Christians, and 
um, yeah, one of his greatest concerns is that in in this newness, their their faith will be shaken. And so there's a great encouragement in most of the epistles for stay the course, right? Stay the course. And I don't disagree with you. I think that on, as we look at it today, that's a call for us as well. Hang on to that because I'm going to come back to it. Jim. Paul prays for the uh, Corinthians. He says that asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Go ahead, say it. You were talking about the, the scripture and right. it says in all spiritual wisdom and right. understanding. And where do we gain that? Right. In the word, through the power of the spirit working in us, right? Revealing the truth to us. Um, yeah, good. Somebody else? Boy. Endure with patience and joy. We're going to come back to that. Yeah, interesting that he would put those two together, right? <laughs> Clearly, Paul has a problem. <laughs> Patience and joy, they don't go together. <laughs> what I found interesting as, you, as we get into verse 9 is that Paul is praying for something that the church already has, right? The Colossian church is not in peril. The Colossian church is not in jeopardy. Uh, The Colossian church is being celebrated in verses 1 through 8 for the faith that they have and the spirit that's working in them. And yet, as you said, Greg, Paul is careful. Hey, I don't want anything to knock that away from you, and therefore I'm going to pray that it would even increase in you. And to me, this is such a powerful text for a king of glory. Uh, If you would go with me to a larger church meeting about the church today, most of our time at those meetings, we discuss churches in peril, churches in challenge, churches in difficulty. What do we do? They don't have enough money. What do we do? They don't have enough people. What do we do? They are splintered because of a hymn or a, a pew, right, or something like that. And uh, and I would say to you that do, that dominates the conversation. And I would also say to you that Satan rejoices in that. Um, but rarely, but on occasion. Do we talk about, look at this church, right? Uh, look at that church. They're relatively healthy. Uh, there are interesting things happening there. There's good ministries taking place there. Uh, my concern is that the psyche of the church, Christendom, becomes, we have to be careful that we don't become a poor me, right? Well, I'm worse than you. <laughs> Rather than... Hey, celebrate them. This is the other thing I really struggle with sometimes is that I don't struggle with it, but the mindset of that we can't be happy for the church next door when they're doing well. If they're telling people about Jesus, we should celebrate that, right? And so what I love about the Colossian letter so far is that in that, 
Think about a place like King of Glory, and I mean that humbly and with respect. Uh, Think about a place like King of Glory, which I think we would all say is doing well. Paul says, hey, King of Glory, I've heard about you and uh, that uh, the Spirit's working in you. I'm praying that it would continue, that your knowledge would increase, that your patience would increase, that your joy would increase. You know, it's sort of that nature of um, you. the church is never fully finished until it's finished, and that's when Christ returns. And that's, to me, the power of this text for us at King of Glory, which is, okay, yeah, we could probably pin, point out 10 things that are going well, but we do not want to lack in growing in knowledge. We do not want to lack in growing in faith. We don't want to lack in growing in the power of the Lord in our lives here, right? We don't want um, contentment or apathy to take over and say, you know, look at all them, we're doing relatively okay. By the way, I had this conversation. This is the time that we have a lot of staff meetings. We're getting ready for what we call the launch of the ministry year, although we did that in May, but the fall season, if you will. And um, I have a staff retreat two weeks for all the staff, but senior staff met with me this week. And the one thing I reminded them is that uh, if we chose, we could retire. I could retire here. I had to I had to correct myself because I'm realizing I'm now getting older than most of my staff, right? Uh, I could retire here and we could do nothing more or different than what we're currently doing. It would be a slow, painful death of this church, right? And that's not because of Bill Harmon. It'd be because if if I start preaching apathy, right? If staff started preaching apathy, if leaders said, yeah, you know, our vision here is apathy, <laughs> uh, we would see a s- slow, painful decline, right? Um, and on some level, that's a that's a passive that's a passive compliment to the church, right? That you are so healthy that we could be healthy, we could live on that health for a while. But what I reminded the staff is, none of us have been called here to preach apathy. We, we've been placed here to press on and to further the kingdom of God in this place, whatever that means, right? This is kind of what Paul is saying here too. So it's kind of refreshing not to have sort of the Corinthian church model, <laughs> where when Paul writes Corinthians, it's like, you guys are really screwing this up <laughs> and let me correct you. This is, hey, you're doing well, and I want you to, I pray fervently that that wellness increases. This is what Paul says. So in your prayer life, would that, would that then not be a prayer for us? Lord, thank you for King of Glory. And yeah, I may not like this two things about it, but pretty much I like what's happening there. Help it be deeper. Help it be greater. Help it be stronger. Help it be more faithful, you know, right? Those would, be, those would be worthy prayers, I think, for the nature of King of Glory, but then for Christendom as a whole. So I'm going to read 9 to 14 for you again, and I want you to hear from me. I want you to tell me what you hear, and then we'll dig into it, okay? And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner 
worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. That is a protein-packed spiritual candy bar, let me tell you. I've underlined to me what was the most impactful, and I will share it with you, but I wanted to know if anyone wanted to share what jumped out to them. Jim. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, they obviously are doing well, and yet he says, I have not ceased to pray for you that you may do even better. Yeah. He didn't say, uh, I've got a limited amount of time and energy, and you're doing well, so uh, I'm Hang just gonna, I'll kind of look the other way. i got other things to do. Thank yeah. you very much. Right. Well, thanks for saying that. You know, on the one hand, you see the responsibility of a bishop, right, which is even for those doing well, we need to pray for you, right, and, uh, and give it some attention, and also that even in goodness we pray. Even in times that are well, we pray. Elizabeth. It's the first time I've seen uh, the word qualified. The Father who has qualified you to share yeah. in the inheritance. Yeah. Does anyone have a different word? Or we're all using the two Bibles today. Okay. What do you think that means? He's taught us. Taught us well, I suppose. Okay. On the one hand, right, let's use Paul for an example. The message of Paul has penetrated their hearts, right, through the Spirit working in Paul, that they have a knowledge now that qualifies them to have access to God, Ephesians. Um, this, you, know, you know this. The ultimate qualifier, of course, is Jesus. The message of Jesus, the power of Jesus uh, in their lives. If you look at that, actually, if you look... At verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Now, skip to 13. He, sh- he tells you the qu- how the qualification was given. By delivering you from the domain of darkness and bringing you into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Right? They're not qualified because of their belief. They're not qualified because of their faith. They're qualified because darkness has been overcome by light through Christ our Lord. One of the great things I'm always able to say at a funeral, uh, on one level or another, is to say, um, you know, one of the reasons we're gathering together here today uh, is to find comfort and peace in the Word of God and the promises that that Word proclaims to us, that there is no death in Jesus Christ, but life. There is no darkness jesus christ but light right and um it's always interesting to me to watch people as i'm saying that because there are some people who are like (laughs) right and there are other people who are like uh i need this right you tell they're thinking about it right don't worry there's others who are whatever but (laughs) 
Or they look like that. Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. You know, but I want to say it so that it's an, it's an invitation to them to know it. Right? For me, anybody else prefer this? Mary, hold on a second. verse 9 it says and so from the day we heard heard what okay well there's a couple options do you have any do you have a sense of what it might be okay um there's a couple options you got to go that's why i read one to eight uh the first option is around verse three right We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the nations because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, right? So so the first possible answer to your question is, somehow, word has gotten to Paul, not this guy at the end, somehow, word has gotten out to Paul that the Colossian church is on fire, Right? My guess is Paul wanted to investigate that. And so you go down to verse, uh, la, 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 requires better glasses for me. Uh, go to the end of verse six, seven. Just as you learned it from, what's his name? Right. He's a faithful minister and behalf has made known to us your love in the spirit. So now he's that's been confirmed for them. So he could be. He could be the one source, is one option. Or they've heard, you know, it's a small world. Things get around, not as fast as here, but uh, but he knows it for sure because of this minister, this pastor who's there. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, same happens today, right? Uh, I met uh, with a guy who um, just moved here and... He grew up near, oh, no, I met with the county administrator. You may have seen the picture on social media. And he grew up in Cary, North Carolina. And I said, you know, there's a great Lutheran church in Cary, North Carolina. Well, why do I know that? Because I have heard of that church. I have heard of what they're doing, I, right? I've, that news has come to me. I don't, I've never, I have been there, but not for that reason, right? But it just got to me, that kind of thing. So it happens today, too. I find, I find verse 10. Uh, 10, really powerful. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Sanctification. The spirit of God is so alive in you that we pray that it it continues to ignite you to bear fruit. It's It's a very easy formula for Christendom. Faith is revealed by fruit. Your faith is revealed by how you live, by what you do. So Paul's saying, listen, my prayer for you is that you walk in the manner of the Lord, which they are, bearing fruit for him, and increasing knowledge. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited to get there, but I'm going to go back to verse 9 for a minute. Paul and Timothy repeat the assurance of their constant prayers for the Colossian Christians 
They have heard how well they're doing and wanted to continue. So I made a note here. Are we praying this way for King of Glory? Their prayer for the Colossians then is that they may gain the full knowledge of God's will through the insight of the Holy Spirit in parts and thus be able to please him in every way. Now you know this. If you remember, we've talked about this before. What, what is knowledge not here? What is knowledge not here? Anyone have a hunch? It's not this. <laughs> it's this. It's a spiritual knowledge. It's not an intellectual exercise. True knowledge is founded in uh, the knowledge and wisdom of God, right? Uh, or a proper attitude toward God, maybe a better way. And one of the best places we see a proper attitude to God would be Proverbs 1.7, which tells us that... Uh, The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Now, I know we don't like that word in the 21st century, uh, but I think we should begin to embrace it. Because my first inclination is to try to convince you that fear in the Old Testament is awe or wow, and those are true, but there is also a healthy, uh, oh, you're God, I'm not. Right? And and friends, this is what we're losing. There's plenty of awe for God. Uh, there's plenty of wow for God. We're seeing less and less people um, sort of like Moses on the mountaintop. You know, Moses was in awe of God. He was wowed by God, but he had a healthy respect to know his position in place with God. And uh, we're kind of losing that a little bit. That's why, if you notice the past couple sermons, I'm throwing in the word humbly, humility, right? When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, one of the banner doctrines of the Lutheran Church is we're acknowledging that our very dependency of life is on God. We don't like that. Uh, But we got to get back to that because that will help shape the manner in which we live for him. If, if I'm convinced that my dependency is me, <laughs> right? Well, then who am I going to worship? Me, right? Who am I going to uh, yield to? My will, not his will. And that's a big adjustment. I was thinking about a chiropractor, right? That's a big adjustment uh, as we go along. All right, verse 10, uh, my favorite part, right? So as to walk in a manner, blah, 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 blah. When filled with the right knowledge, they act like it. When filled with the right knowledge, they act like it. Oh, I have a passage for you. I forgot that I did these. I did do that. 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 to 12. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into the kingdom of glory. So in another place, Paul is using uh, that same encouragement that um, those who have the knowledge of God uh, want them to, 
we want you then to be witnesses of God. And we encourage that witness. Look at Paul's words, comforting and urging as we move forward. I I thought this was an interesting note. Pagans offer worship to their gods, right? So worshiping God is not necessarily unique to who we are. But how we respond to our God makes us unique. So think about Christendom, right? Think about the response. What is, you tell me, what are some unique responses to our worship of God in Christendom that we're called to do? Can you think of any? Don't say feed the poor. Lots of, lots of religions feed the poor, right? Carol, hold on a sec. And watch the cup there, Larry. Oh, yeah. I think our respect for other human beings, that as Christians, we, I am constantly reminded when I don't show that kind of respect because God has created all of us equal. Yeah, good. We, we slipped on that a little bit during the Crusades, but, <laughs> but we came out of it, right? Um, yeah, if I could add to that, this whole premise of loving our neighbor and realizing that our neighbor is anybody, right? There's no condition on that love. We may not condone every neighbor, but we will love every neighbor. And you, if these are all the religions of the world... You know, loving your neighbor, and then I think when you get to loving your enemy, you start to get a little bit more narrow into how the uniqueness of faith, right? Um, and I guess I would say, too, the other thing that, um, that, that would maybe make us unique is that um, our peaceful desire now, again, we had a couple slips over the centuries, but uh, for all to know that love, right? Um, and for people to be open to it. So, and again, this is not a perfect analogy. My guess is if a Hindu was here today, they'd say, well, we want you to know our gods too. Paul's point is, and, and so was Jesus' point, the best way for people to know God is to look at you. And therefore, I'm going to pray that the Spirit increases in you, that your knowledge of God increases in, in you, and that you then become that witness, bearing fruit for him, right? You're the light of the world. City on a hill doesn't cover its lampstand. Uh, you let it shine. Great. Is not the free gift of grace a thing that separates uh, churches and religions throughout the world? Yeah, I think uh, whenever I engage in a conversation with people about what makes Christianity unique, I always say these words. What makes Christianity unique is that you don't have to do it. Meaning, um, no, I don't say it that way. I say, God has done it for you. You don't have to do it. Right? So for you to have access to God... For you to have the path of salvation is not dependent on you, but it's solely dependent on God's desire for you to have it. And so he provides a way for that to happen. And yes, by far, that makes us unique. Now, what we're supposed to do, which we've stumbled on over the years, 
is that we're supposed to then share that uniqueness with the world. What's happened over the centuries, more modern centuries, is we have secluded that message to the building of the church, right? And said, well, we do talk about it every week here, which rejoice, we do, right? Listen, you may not like everything I do, but I'm not talking about politics in that pulpit, right? I'm not talking about uh, my student loans for my children on that pulpit, right? <laughs> Lord, help me with that. Uh, I, what do I talk for? I hope that one thing that you will always say about Bill Harmon is he ensures that Jesus is proclaimed everywhere, right? But that's not enough. Paul is saying, yes, proclaim Jesus, grow in that knowledge, and then be fruitful in it. And it's that fruitful part that we've got to, we're doing, we're doing pretty good here. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about Christendom. We've got to push that out a little more, right? We've got... We did become too complacent over some of the early years saying, well, as long as it's in here, you know, one of my favorite lines from someone not here uh, was, well, pastor, if someone wants, if someone wants to, ha- to know about Jesus, they could just come to our church. That, that's true. Again, rejoice with that. But how do they get to the church? Hey, come with me today, right? So, and this leads me to what my real excitement was for today. I wrote here, a full, fuller knowledge leads to fuller obedience, which leads to further knowledge, right? If I am growing in my knowledge of God, that's going to lead me to an obedient life of God, and living a life for God is going to reveal to me a greater knowledge of God, and this is what it sounds like to me. Connect, grow, live. Connect, grow, live. Right, right there, right? Because that is the nature of what we're trying to accomplish in connect, grow, live. Maybe not as perfectly as God, but we're trying to do that. The premise behind connect, grow, live is if we can connect you to God and his people, that will lead you to growing in faith and love, which will lead you then to living through service and sharing. And as you're living through service and sharing, what are you naturally going to do? Connect to God and more of his people, which is naturally going to have you be growing deeper in faith and love, See how it goes? So our mission here is striving to fulfill the very words of Paul. I'm getting very animated with this long sleeve shirt on. I'm starting to sweat. So, you know. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Right, Caroline? Uh, this is Peter's so. Uh, okay, let's talk about that. First of all, what is power? There is power, power, underworking power. What is that? Okay, tell me, give my Carol the mic. I want to hear more about that. You've got to know what you want and then work for it so the desire is there. Okay. And therefore, by knowledge, you look and gain power. Okay. So the de- I'm going to say it my way, right? <laughs> the destination matters, right? I have a heavenly call. And knowing I have a heavenly call, and that's my goal, I seek the strength to continue on that journey, Right? And we rejoice that that, that that strength comes through the Holy Spirit. 
right? And the knowledge that the Spirit reveals to us. So for me here, power is actually twofold. Along Carol's lines, it's the power of the Holy Spirit revealing knowledge unto you you as to where your destination is. And it's, I do believe it's also the power of the cross because that's where Paul's leading us at the end of these verses. It's the power of knowing that your life has been claimed by the blood of the Lamb. The source of your power, uh, the, the modern Christian lives with the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, but the genesis of that power is an empty tomb is a risen Savior. It's the blood of the Lamb being sacrificed for us, right? All right, Mrs. Peter. Patience, perseverance, and joy should continually be accompanied by a thankful spirit. This is from T. Erskine, an 1880 theologian. That's when he said this. In Christianity... Theology is grace. Ethics is gratitude. Pretty neat. In Christianity, theology is grace. So this goes to your point, Greg. Our theology is a theology of grace, which is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? Boom. Uh, Our ethics, our morality, or our response to that is a grateful spirit. Gratitude. What does gratitude lead you to do? Let me say it this way. Uh, In the company of this room, I can say this. What should gratitude lead you to do? It should lead you to action, right? I'm not 100% sure that some of our other generations believe that anymore. (laughs) I can tell you three younger young men who knew, I mean, right? Now, when someone does something nice for you, is that an obligation to do something nice for them? No, but it should lead you it should make a mark on you, right? It should leave a mark on you and help define who you are. So uh, Paul, interestingly, uses this term, may you be strengthened with all power according to the glorious might uh, for all endurance and patience with joy. So Paul is mindful that even with the power of the cross, the temptation in the midst of challenge will be great upon the people. So they're going to need endurance as they continue to live the journey of Christ each day of their life and patience as they await the return of Christ. However, that power should fill us with a sense of joy. We we can endure and we can be patient because we have the power of the cross. One more thing. Uh, Ephesians 1.10. For this reason, ever since I heard of your, about your faith in the Lord Jesus, sounds familiar to Colossians, and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches, remember, remember this, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the, peop- in the holy people, and the incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he extended when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is, in, that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and pointed him to be head over all things of church. Bah, 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 bah. So there's your power, and there's your joy. Think about Paul, right? Was it Paul and Silas when they were in prison? Right? They're in prison, and what are they doing? Right. There is power, power. They're probably singing a mighty fortress, but uh, yeah. Jim, go ahead. Well, I think it's interesting that he links joy with endurance and patience. I think our human nature is to think if we're enduring and we're being patient that we're that's not necessarily joyful. That's, that's kind of uh, we give you credit for enduring, being patient in this thing. Is yeah. That of, Boy, I'm so happy I'm patient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, think about that for a minute. I can't remember the term, and maybe you'll think of it, but we have become a society that does sort of rejoice in our mm, challenge, right? Oh. You th- right? Listen the next time you're with a bunch of people and you tell a story. Well, you think that's bad, right? That's the next line after your bad story, right? Or, oh, I know what you're doing. Rarely do we say, uh, you know, it's amazing. In the midst of this great challenge, I still have this sense of joy, <laughs> right? You never hear that in a story. That's what you're saying, <laughs> right? But what a witness it would be, right? I think I said this last week. Forgive me, forgive me. my mind is a little off today, but uh, I've been watching this show called The Last Kingdom. It's based on Alfred the Great. Eight, he's a real king of England, about around 800 to 900 A.D. And I, it's a very loose historical fiction, just so you know. But uh, there was a moment in there I thought, boy, I wish I could get that clip and show it. Because his daughter has been captured by the Vikings. They have raised up in this cage. They used to hang their their prisoners in a cage over everybody. And um, and again, it's just a TV show, but I thought her prayer was so interesting. Her The prayer was not, Lord, save, send someone to save me. It wasn't, um, Lord, get me out of here. Her prayer was, Lord, give me the strength to endure this time. Now, I don't know if the, if the writers even knew how powerful I would think, right? Someone might think that to be. But I thought, what an interesting, uh, really encouragement of prayer. Would it be wrong for her to pray for freedom? No. But here we have examples that, okay, if this is the time, if this is the season I'm walking in, Lord, give me endurance. Give me patience. I would say, and please don't rob, my, don't let any of these circumstances take the joy of your power working in me, right? Uh, Larry, John over here. While you're going to John, let me say this. So we pray for the might of God's glory, and we know what glory is from other Bible passages. It's the fullness of God working in us. So such an endowment with divine power enables people to stand firm in the face of trial and opposition, uh, with anything that might come and test them along the way. John. The prayer that you're talking about there is in Scripture, and it's Jesus told us to pray that because it's uh, 
pray that you might have strength to escape all these things that must take place and to stand before the Son of Man when he's yeah. talking to them about the end times. Right. That's that prayer. Yeah, perfect. Exactly right. But our, I think sometimes our human nature, in fear, says, get me out of here. <laughs> right? And um, what we hear from Paul is, um, boy, what would happen if our prayers would be, Lord, give me endurance in this time, give me patience in this time, and enable me to see the joy. Which sometimes you may really have to, you know, <laughs> really look for, right? Um, okay. Uh, okay. Put another hand up. Let's go into 11. Uh, 12, I'm sorry. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, so. Uh, who are the saints in light? <laughs> it's a, it can be several different people. I put this specifically in here for John, just so you know, because I thought he'd like to hear this. So, some would say that it's Old Testament heroes, right? If you were in church on Sunday, the Hebrews passage. For, at 8 o'clock, for some reason at 8 o'clock, I was really attentive to whoever was reading it. And uh, I'm often asked, you know, what happened to all those people in the Old Testament? And um, I don't know why I've never said, read this Hebrew passage, right? You know, Noah, who by faith did this. Uh, Abraham, who by faith did this. And what, is, what does each petition say? It says, um, even though they didn't see it fully, God accounted it to them as good, right? So because they trusted even in something they didn't see, we would, we would say they are at peace with the Father. Uh, so this could be the, the saints. Uh, it could also be, some would say, angels, the heavenly hosts, um, who, uh, who, God is, who Paul is saying here, right, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints in light. The cherubim and the seraphim, they're glorifying God. They're praising God. They're... They're beings that are rejoicing in God. Uh, that said, most likely, uh, most theologians believe that it's human beings who've been sanctified. It would be, in essence, our Lutheran approach to sainthood, that these are people who are already living in the nature of the cross, if you will. These are. This is one of those things you're going to like or not like, but... I think we don't have to spend too much time on because what's the mo what is the more important piece of that passage, right? Um, that the Father has qualified us for inheritance. The Father has qualified us for inheritance. Right? So you might say to yourself over the next of the course week, uh, hmm, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I've done enough. I hope, uh, uh, I hope if I die, I go to heaven, right? You know, any, any number of things may go through your head. As you think about that, you should read Colossians 1 and remember that it is not Greg who qualifies you to share in the inheritance. Sorry. Even being held elder didn't give you that, right? It's not Caroline Peters. It's not Bill Harmon. It's the Father who's qualified you for that inheritance. 
And, by the way, in qualifying you, there's been a benefit. That benefit is you've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the beloved Son. There, the, the assumption should be there that uh, you were once in darkness, right? You've been, if you've been transferred, it means you've been one place and now you're another, right? And we should not underestimate the dominion of darkness. It's the same phrase, by the way, used at Christ the rest when he talks about the, the darkness that comes, the dominion of darkness there. These words refer to the sinister forces marshaled against Christ for a decisive combat in the spiritual realm. From the commentator I was using for today. So the dominion of darkness is not just uh, your living room light goes out at night and it's dark. Right? Not just complete blackout. It is the idea or the concept or the truth, frankly, that um, there is a battle in the spiritual realm of which dark forces want to overcome light forces. And um, this is not a conversation we talk too much about in our denomination, and maybe we should, uh, but there's spiritual battles taking place all the time. That's why it's relevant in our theology that not only has Christ died and risen from the dead, but he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of the Father, where he's actively working on our behalf. This is why that's important, because the dominion of darkness wants to wants you to lose, wants king of glory to lose. And so they're always at battle, but we have the power to endure, we have the power to be strengthened, and to keep our joy, because... Christ, the Redeemer of the world, has paid the price and maybe say this, paid the transfer fee, right? Um, so uh, I have here, these guardians, the world, the world rulers of the darkness, as they are called in Ephesians 6.10, are probably the principalities and powers to which the Christians of Colossae were tempted to pay some homage to, Right? Again, let's go back to the Colossians' circumstance. They've heard the gospel message. They've been on fire for the gospel message. And yet, there are people who are coming and planting seeds of doubt, trying to win them over. So Paul is saying, hey, 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 wait one second. Uh, You are no longer people of darkness. Don't go back to that. You are people of the light, and you are people of the light because... The kingdom of God has been given to you through the graciousness of the Father. He's redeemed you and forgiven you your sins. So uh, another way to look at this, it's a phrase I like to say, is the now and later theology, right? We have that now. We have the promise of forgiveness now. We have the promise of God's power now. We have the promise of God's light now. But it comes to perfect fruition later when we are rejoined with our Savior on the last day. So that's why you have to go back and say, that's why patience is important and endurance 
is important. Uh, the former existence was one of bondage. Uh, the ransom price, of course, is Jesus. And I've got a passage for you here. Let me read it to you. Oh, Acts 16.25, Paul and Silas praying, singing hymns, and um, Romans 3, 24 to 25. And all are justified freely by his grace for the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So what is the nature of Christ? The nature of Christ is to, to, to be the one who brings you out of darkness, who raises you out of sinfulness, and helps you walk in the glorious light of his love. Therefore, you should be seeking to grow in the knowledge of God and bear fruit that brings him glory because of what he's done for you. So for prayer, that leads us to... Uh, I think, a powerful prayer that we would use these very verses for. Uh, that we would say um, uh, that in using verse 9, Gracious God, fill us with knowledge, and spiritual wisdom, and understanding, that we may walk worthy of you, Lord, pleasing you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing our knowledge of you. May we be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks to you, Father, for qualifying us in the share of the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. Ooh, that's a good prayer. And you can put people's names in there. You could put your church name in there, right? You could say, gracious God, help my son to be filled with the knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding of you. Help my son to walk in the manner worthy of you, pleasing you and bearing fruit. Help my church, help my pastor, help my grandchild. Put them all in there. Good prayer. Okay. Oh, yes, Greg. Gregory. I think, I think it's interesting that in the passage that you just re- yeah. read and in verses 9 through 14, that it, it brings out the point about knowledge of his will, strengthened with power, uh, qualified you for the inheritance, delivered you, and in you have redemption, forgiveness in mm-hmm. Christ. That's uh, almost a mirror of what you just read. Yeah. And listen, this, this shows Paul's pastoral heart, I think. Um, uh, it's actually good communication skills. The All these things, Paul has already taught them. Right? But he wants them to continue in it, so he uses those same terms there as well. Continue to pray, please, for uh, the Owens family as they mourn the passing of their young daughter. Uh, we pray for Barb McKenna, who's been hospitalized due to blockages. Uh, we also pray today uh, for uh, the Sandages. They're transitioning to Brookdale, and so that just takes a lot of effort <laughs> sometimes, especially they're two different places. Um, any other prayer requests? Okay. okay, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for being our Father and our Lord, our King. 
Thank you for the redemption you've won for us through Christ our Lord. Thank you for this time together to grow in knowledge and faith uh, of you. We pray today for those in our prayer guide, that you would bless them and keep them and guide them. We pray uh, for those who are struggling today who are not on our guide. We especially continue to pray for the Owens family, that you would give them peace, comfort in this time. We pray, Lord, for the Sandages. We pray for Barb, uh, that your healing hand would be upon them as well. And Lord, uh, again, we pray that all of us and all the world may grow in the knowledge of your will and spiritual wisdom and understanding that we may walk worthy of you, Lord, pleasing to you, bearing fruit, good works, and increasing in our knowledge of you. May we be strengthened with all power, according to your glorious might, for endurance and patience with joy, always giving thanks to you, Father, for the inheritance you've won for us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for your time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.